How's it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Today is currently April 1st. It is April Fool's Day. I hope no one got you with those jokes, Ben. Um, March 2021, or April 2021. Ben, anybody get you today with an April Fool's joke? No, um, but there's been a lot of there's been a lot of action, at least on Twitter. Uh, did you see Greg? Uh, George, not Greg. George Kittle posted himself in a Jaguars uniform, um, even though he signed he signed an extension today with the uh, 49ers, and he posted himself in a Jags <laughs> uniform. Um, the the there was a big news in college basketball mm-hmm. that people thought that we'll get into. People thought that was kind of a joke, but no, I've I've not been fooled today. Hey, I'm glad to hear that, Ben. Yeah, I haven't been fooled either. I actually saw Todd Gurley tweeted that he was getting close to signing with some tweet, some team. Somebody commented on there and said this must be April Fool's. So I thought that one was pretty funny because, <laughs> I mean, anybody who's a Falcons fan saw Todd Gurley last year and knows that's got to be April Fool's. Um, anyway, um, so before we get into the Final Four, obviously, and Roy Williams retiring, which was big news breaking from college basketball today. Um, I thought that we should talk a little bit about something that's swept under the rug for our podcast, at least because we've been focused on getting content out there for y'all for the beginning of baseball season and for the, um, and we've been trying to get other content out there for y'all in March Madness, but that is LaMarcus Aldridge going to in the buyout market and Blake Griffin, in the buyout market, obviously both signing with the Nets. And then we have Andre Drummond signing with the Lakers. Ben, first off, do you think these players like do you fault these players for signing with these teams? And then also on top of that, like, do you think the NBA should do something to change the buyout market thing? I'm very very in the middle. Do I blame the players? No. If by you're the an way, older player, you want to ring. By the way, I hate to cut you off, but the Kung Fu Panda just hit a two-run pinch hit home run tie game, baby. Let's go. That's a, that's outstanding. Um, so do I blame the players? No, um, absolutely not. I mean, I, I want to ring on my resume. That's something no one can ever take away from you. You're mm-hmm. a champion. I don't, I think if anything needs to change, it's nothing to do with the players. I think maybe the league needs to look into something, but I, I don't necessarily hate it, but I, like, I'm not a big, like super team guy. And I know that you have to have two superstars on your team to win an NBA title. It seems like now nowadays. And like, I mean, the nets have so much star uh, star player talent right now that it's, I'm very in the middle. Cause I don't blame the players, but I don't like it. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what I would like to see changed. I just, I don't like, you know, just super teams building this because listen, like if, if the nets, if the nets, uh, win the championship, like it's the least anticipated winner of all time. Like you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. You should win a title. So, I, I mean, I I don't blame the players now. Um, I'm on the same boat as you. Like what? Like people are complaining about it. They're like, oh, he should have gone somewhere else. I mean, what do you want Lamarcus Aldridge to do? You want him to go sign with the Pistons? Like, 
I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me why people get so mad about it. I mean, people fault these, try to fault these players for going to places where they're better off and going to have a better chance at winning when you try to judge them off getting championship rings. Last time I checked, LeBron went to Miami. I mean, the Lakers won the title and they added Dennis Schroeder and they also added um, Montrez Harrell. You know what I mean? Like the Lakers won the title and got better. I mean, every single one of these teams has got to get better if they want to reach their goal, you know what I mean, of winning a title. So I don't really fault any of the players or the teams for doing what they've been doing. Now, I definitely think the NBA needs to change something with the buyout market. I mean, I think they just need to completely get rid of the buyout market and be like, Oh, that sucks. You're playing out the rest of your contract here and you're not getting out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the it's, NBA... just, it's not, it's not good for the league. I think mm-hmm. is, the, is the complaint that most people see with. No, see, I mean, I can definitely agree with that, that it's not great for the league and for fanship and everything. But realistically, when you look at it from a player perspective and from a team perspective, I mean, what are they going to do? Say no. You know what I mean? Like it, it, to me, to me, it makes sense from a player and team from a fan perspective. Obviously it's not as fun. That's why I think they just need to do away with the entire buyout market in general. You know what I mean? Like let it be another way of teams getting these players rather than going through the buyout. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they should have to trade for them or something. Or like if someone gets bought out, like, I mean, there should be like a rule, like if you make X salary, like you still have to team has to pay you like X amount of, you know what I mean? They they need to insert some sort of rule to either make it one harder for these teams to get these players for this cheap of a price or two, you know what I mean? Like make it so that there's no buyout market in general. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I, I like that there is a buyout market and I think there should be. Um, It's a way to, get an acquisition after the trade deadline. Like, I mean, a lot of sports have that. You can still do trades after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. You just go through a waiver process in, in other sports. So I, I think they just need to make it a little more difficult, but I don't think they should take it away completely. I think that changes the entire game. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think the bio market like ruins the game of basketball. Absolutely not. I, I would never agree with that. But the way that it is right now, so like, what was uh, the Blake Blake Griffin got bought out as well, right? Yeah. Before he went to the Nets. So like, what was his contract was pretty big that he was on. Um. Yeah. Blake Griffin was on a max deal before that when he got bought out. And so does he? Are NBA contracts are they? They're not all guaranteed, right? No, they are. They're for the most part guaranteed. They're, like they're okay. For the most so part, he still def- gets his. Yeah. So he still gets his money, and basically the Pistons get screwed essentially. Yeah, so pretty much the Pistons pay him and he's not on their team anymore. Right. Uh, There's got to be a better way, but I don't think it should be taken out completely. No, I agree with you completely. The NBA has got to come up with something to fix it, but I don't think you can fault these players or these teams for what's happened and what all has gone down. I mean, hey, it's going to be fun to see how all this plays out now that we got some super teams back once again in the league. Um, Next up, let's uh, move over to some college hoops. That's where we're going to stay. So, we had two legendary coaches of the game, one of them being retired today, one of them being Lon Kruger from Oklahoma, but the big one being Roy Williams from North Carolina. Um, I mean, Ben, what do you – first off, I mean, what do you think that this means for North Carolina? you think that's really why that um, why that we saw Kessler go ahead and transfer and why we've seen all these players going to the league and all this stuff and all these rumors coming out of UNC? Yeah, I mean I, in terms of Kessler transferring, I'm not 100% sure – it might have played a factor into it. Um, I would, I would think, if I had to guess, Roy Williams probably told his players um, that he was at least thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and not just announcing it, even though they, they still have plenty of time to transfer. The season does not – I mean, it, it just ended for, for uh, teams that were in the tournament, uh, like North Carolina, who were bounced a little early. So uh, I don't know if Kessler was because of that. I would, I would say probably not. I think there's something else yeah. um, related to it that might have a small part to do with it. I, I would highly doubt that's the main reason. In terms of where does Oklahoma, uh, North Carolina go from here, I mean, that's a million-dollar question. I mean, I think Roy Williams retiring just caught everyone by surprise. I think – I mean, there's already there's already a million rumors out there of who they're going to hire. I wouldn't pay attention to any of that. North Carolina is not going to hire a new basketball coach um, anytime soon. They're going to go through a long process and get the guy that they feel fit. I don't even have a name that I, that I think fits there. Um, I, I don't know what direction – they want to go. I, I think they can promote from within uh, someone that's been with Roy Williams for a long time. Yeah. They got there's Hubert Davis. Mil- who's been there for a while. I know. Yeah. There's a lot of former players um, that, that played at UNC. Um, some of them are in coaching now. Some of them are, are just great NBA players that just aren't around the game of basketball anymore. Yeah. So, and you can even go, I mean, a small school, if you really believe in a coach, he's a great coach. You bring them to a school with the resources like UNC, um, and it, we'll see. I, I I don't think we'll hear about a new coach anytime soon. When they do, you and I will break it down. Um, I mean, he's he's just a legend, man. He's a legend of the game. He was a uh, coach at Kansas for a long mm-hmm. time, a great coach there, and one of the best, if not the very best, coach at UNC. I mean, three national championships. That's that's damn impressive. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, me being a Florida State guy, um, watching us compete against Roy Williams, just kind of going up against him all the time was fun to watch. So I definitely am glad that I had the fun to watch Roy Williams. Um, yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a long process. I think ultimately they try to, you know, hire someone who's like not inside the program, but someone, you know, who's like familiar with UNC basketball. You know what I mean? Who knows the brand of UNC basketball, the winning culture it is, and, you know, takes a lot of pride in that. I think that's the kind of guy – that they're ultimately going to end up hiring and bringing in here to run this program. So definitely think it's going to be something or other like that. I was definitely shocked though to see the news when Ben texted me, I was like, wait, what? I couldn't yeah. believe that happened. Um, I had to go double check that with it being April fool's day and everything. That was what Ben was hinting to earlier by that. He thought it was a little April fool's day action, but yeah, you know, I think it's, I think it's huge though, you know, for the ACC and everything. Roy Williams has been there for how many years you say 30 years. Can you hear me, Ben? Been at UNC, I think there's, I think, yeah, I'm right here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're frozen there for a second on my screen. But yeah, he's he's been. I think there. he's been there. He's been there for a long time. I think he's been coaching for like 33 years, and he's made the tournament 30 out of his 33 or something like that. Good grief! Yeah, that was his first ever first round loss. Was this last one to Wisconsin, but. You know, he's gotten up there in age. So, you know, I can't blame him at all from stepping down, but you hate it. It was, it was, it's been fun though to watch him. I mean, unfortunately, there's going to be some more legends of the, of the college basketball game to follow because uh, Coach K is up there in age and uh, Jim Beheim just helped stop by it. He's, he's up there in age and I'm sure there's others, but those are, I mean, some of the biggest legends um, for a long, long time in college basketball and Long Kruger. Like, I don't, I don't want to just like not talk about him. I mean, he put together some really good teams in Oklahoma. Um, I, I've actually seen a couple former players. I, I love like 
when a coach, like it, when you coach a college sport, like you're not just coaching the sport, like part of your job is to teach um, the young, young men and women, uh, depending on what uh, program and, and sport you're coaching is to teach them, you know, real life, life lessons. And yeah. it just so many former players, former Oklahoma players, former UNC players with nothing but nice things to say uh, for those respective coaches. And it's the way it should be. That's when, you know, someone's done a really great job. Um, even though there's a little bit of a cheating scandal at North Carolina with the academics for what yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Definitely got to throw that out there, but yeah, no, it definitely was crazy to see Roy Williams walk away today. I mean, that's massive. And like you said, I mean, Bayheim's like 76 years old. So, I mean, that's gotta be coming soon as well. I wonder if he's waiting for buddy to kind of finish college. I bet. I honestly am like 99% sure that him and buddy will call it quits together. You know, I feel like that's one of those father son things. Like he got to see his final son go through and play at Syracuse. Kind of crazy though. He had him when he was in like his fifties. You don't see that a lot of the time either. Um, anyway, Ben Saturday is going to be a great day. Honestly, it's a great time right now for sports. I mean, we're going to have, we're going to have on Saturday, we're going to have NBA, um, MLB, some, some uh, NCAA basketball, which is what we're here to talk about for y'all. Let's get down to these games, man. So first off, before we break down the games, I mean, we got to revisit some stuff that happened in the uh, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So first off, what I want to say is I hate to say that I was right, but I knew that was going to happen to FSU. But first thing I want to talk about is, Ben, I mean, Alabama should have won that game, man. I mean, the free throws absolutely killed y'all. 14 missed free throws. Hey, that's what happens in March, man. I mean, this UCLA team's got to be one of the worst teams I've ever seen get to the final four. You know, like I really don't think they're good at all. I mean, Michigan just played absolutely awful in that game. And honestly, I don't think Michigan was that good either. I just think UCLA, you know, took advantage of what all had happened so far in that bracket and they were able to get there. You know, Alabama, I mean, doesn't miss I me. Mean, Alabama makes one more free throw. That game's over in regulation, you know. So got to I mean, I would I wouldn't even say like I mean I don't want to take anything away from UCLA, but like the only there's one player, it's Johnny Juzik. Yeah. Like, he did everything for that team. And credit to him. He absolutely balled out. But listen to this. Michigan in his last eight shots, mm-hmm. they didn't score. With 338 left in the game, with almost yeah. four minutes left in the game, they didn't score. And that's never gonna do it. Yeah, I mean, and it's easy for people to think like we got to give credit to the UCLA defense. Um, Michigan missed four layups. Like, you can't miss layups. I mean, it's it, – it, dude, the free throw defense, I know that there's no such thing. That's not a real thing. But mm-hmm. it seems like no one can make a free throw against UCLA. <laughs> yeah, Michigan I mean, didn't shoot well either. Mm-hmm. I mean, UCLA had plenty of looks, and they still could not. I mean, Michigan had plenty of looks, and they still couldn't put one in. I mean, it's not like they, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they weren't getting looks. So, it doesn't even make any sense to say that. But, yeah, you know, this is a game I feel like if you're UCLA that you look back on and you're like, wow. I mean, if you're just a game if you're Michigan, you look back on, you're kind of like, wow, we let this one go. You know, this one got away from us a little bit. Um other game, though, that I feel like is is a big one to talk about as well is just Oregon, this is Oregon State's run, honestly. You know, Oregon State had one crazy run. It's the fact they kept pulling upset after upset after upset. I mean, that Loyola-Chicago game, Loyola-Chicago was lucky to break 50 points in that game. I don't – actually, yeah, they did break 50 points. But what would you say was the best game out of all these that you watched this last weekend? 
Mm, I mean, I think even though I don't like the result, probably Bama UCLA, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much all those other games on Sunday were blowouts. All the games Saturday were pretty good. I guess Syracuse is really the only blowout. I mean, Arkansas, the fact they were able to beat uh, – I mean, honestly, Arkansas played a hell of a game against Baylor. I mean, the final score doesn't yeah. show it. But, I mean, the fact Arkansas was able to beat Oral Roberts only hitting one three, and same thing with Baylor hit like two threes the game before that and still won against Villanova. I mean, the fact those teams were able to win was crazy. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and jump into it, man, talk about that and talk about our first game, which is Baylor and Houston tipping off at 514 on Saturday. Over-under set at 143 and a half. Baylor's minus five in this game. Um, ben, you leaning any way for a bet or anything on this game? I actually haven't taken a bet as of today. Um, I I just think this is going to be a really good game. I think Houston can defend and has enough guard play to kind of match up and at least mm-hmm. make things difficult for Baylor. Um, and keep in mind, I, I wouldn't say Baylor has shot the ball that well. Um, a lot of T when Teague uh, just put it together like a 23, 25 point game, yeah. 22 point game, something like that. A lot of his points were in the paint. He got, a, he got a little bit going from threes um, towards the end of it, but I, I wouldn't say Baylor shooting the ball that well. And it, it, if, if they don't shoot the ball that well against Houston, I, I think this Houston defense can make things pretty difficult, but I am leaning on taking Baylor with the spread. I, this tournament is dominated by, by guards. It always has been. Um, it, it's just not always has been, but it, it has been for the most part. And Baylor's got the best guards. I mean, there's, there's three guys between Teague, Mitchell, and uh, Butler. But, by the way, I think, I think uh, Mitchell's the most important player. That dude, I think his draft stock is through the roof. He, he uh, off a of bounce, off a of dribble, I don't think there's a defender in the country that can stay in front of him. His first step is like the quickest thing I can think of in college basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think part of me is hoping Baylor just wins because I want to see Baylor against Saga, but I don't want to act like Houston doesn't have a chance because they have a real chance. They're playing great basketball. They play very good defense. And it seems like every time they need a shot, Quentin Grimes hits a three. Yeah, um, Houston actually led the NCAA in three – it was either three-pointers made or three-point percentage. Baylor is also one of the best three-point shooting teams as well. Interesting enough, the only teams remaining out of the, out of that stat I gave you all teams that are in the top 15 in defense and offense is Baylor and Houston. Both of them are still alive and still dancing. I said the national champion always has to be one of the two. Or sorry, not Baylor, Gonzaga, and Houston are the two left. Sorry, not, not Baylor. Baylor's offense isn't as high up as, uh, as Houston and Gonzaga's offenses are, but their defense is right there. But – Anyway, I mean, I agree with you, man. I think Houston's a pretty good team. I think that they should play a very close game here. I'm leaning towards taking the five points with Houston and saying it's too many points. But at the same time, from the flip side of things, I've been kind of riding that Baylor motivational edge all tournament long, you know, that they that they got messed up a little bit because of COVID. Then after COVID, they kind of they kind of started to get things rolling again. Then they got bounced early in the conference tournament, and they've been pissed off. You know, they got the chip on their shoulder. They didn't even get March Madness last year when they thought they were the best team in all of college basketball, you know. So all those things leading up here, I just feel like this is a pissed-off Baylor team who's on a great run. But, I mean, I don't think you can just look past Houston. Like you said, Grimes has hit big shots. Jarreau makes big-time plays and shots. I mean, Jarreau flipped that one up at the end of the shot clock. And, I mean, I thought he made it at first. That was absolutely insane. I mean, this Houston team's resilient. It's kind of funny, too. 
Kelvin Sampson used to be the head coach at Indiana. He got kicked out of the program. I can't remember what it was for, but it's kind of like his revenge tour too. You know, he's getting his revenge on the entire recruiting, state of Indiana. Recruiting violations. Yeah, that's what it was. He's getting his revenge though, you know, on the entire state of Indiana. So I think both teams have huge motivational edges, huge motivational factors. Um, I don't want to just write Baylor in to go in the next round. I probably – see, I probably will take the points with Houston in this one, but – I mean, this game's going to be a dogfight. I feel like it's going to be good back and forth. I feel like this game's going to be a lot better than the second one. And Jarreau is an unbelievable defender uh, mm-hmm. for Houston. Just a terrific um, uh, terrific perimeter defender. And, I mean, my thing with Baylor that I keep coming back to is, like, I mean, Arkansas is a tough team, right? I mean, I, I would say Arkansas was a very good team in college basketball. Uh, they play hard. Uh, they can score the basketball. They they got it close with I mean it was close in the beginning but they they kept it close with Baylor got it to four but then Baylor would just extend it you know what I mean mm-hmm. they just they I feel like they just always had another gear on top of what Arkansas could bring to the table yep and even though Houston is a really good basketball team offensively and defensively and they're well coached Baylor's got another gear than them Baylor has been the second best team in college basketball all season long. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though it can be close at, at the same time, Baylor can kick it into another gear when they when they uh, when they need to. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. Baylor has another gear to hit, and we will definitely see them hit that gear at some point in time in this game. I mean, I think I think you just said it a second ago that Mitchell is one of the quickest first steps you've seen, maybe even the quickest first step in all of college basketball. But I feel like he's really been the engine guiding them. You know, Jared Butler yeah. was their best player there for a long time, but I feel like lately that it's been Mitchell who's been kind of picking up the slack. I really felt like there's points in that Villanova game. I remember me and you were texting each other. I was like, all right. I was like, I was like, let's hit Baylor live here in a second. I think right after I hit him, it was just like, boom, boom. It was just like, but or uh, Mitchell just came out and just started throwing punch after punch after punch. You know what I mean? And this team, and he got did, out. he picked up those, and he picked up those two early fouls last game. And Baylor was able was able to weather the storm without him. And when he came back in, I think he finished the game with two or three fouls. I mean, he yeah. he just stepped it, and he's a terrific defender. Puts mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on ball handlers, and he was able to play without fouling. So if Houston can get him in foul trouble, I mean, they obviously they have a better chance. Because I agree with you, he gets that engine rolling for Baylor. But Flagler, number ten, oh, that boy's a stud off the bench. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this Baylor team is so deep, honestly. They got so many players. Like, a lot of people didn't even realize that. I mean, they might have one of the three best just guard trios in the country. Then on top of that, like you said, they got that deep bench and everything. They got good big men. I mean, Mark Vital makes so many huge plays for him. He had that nasty alley-oop dunk and the putback dunk. I mean, this Baylor team's for real. Let's put it this. I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. Like, I might bet money on Houston – but I don't give a damn. I want to see Baylor versus Gonzaga in the final four. I mean, in the national championship game. I mean, that's the matchup that we've been looking forward to all season long. It's the matchup that we got to see, man. I mean, why not see the two best teams battle it out? We got robbed of it the first time because of COVID. Um, do you give UCLA any chance? First off, do you think UCLA will cover? And second off, do they actually have any chance at winning this game? <laughs> uh I mean, I don't think they have any. I mean, you always have a chance. I mean, let's be honest. Like, there's no such thing as a zero percent chance. I would, I, but no, I, I don't think they have a chance to win the game. I mean, to cover. I mean, what is it? Thir- what is it? 14, 14, 14 now. It's thirteen and a half. It went up to fourteen today. I mean, listen, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. But 
I could absolutely see Gonzaga winning this by 30. I'm not going to lie. You might have a chance. The only way that that UCLA keeps this game close, in my opinion, is because it's March Madness. But I think Gonzaga just completely just goes smack city on them and blows them out. I mean, this UCLA team, like you said, Johnny Juzang is a hell of a player, honestly. That was a legendary performance we watched. The fact he rolled his ankle when he came back in was still getting buckets. I mean, at halftime, he had like 16 points and UCLA had 22 points. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how the hell that they did that on defense against because I didn't think they had very good defense, but they kept everybody in check for Michigan. And then they just kind of put the pedal to the metal on them in the second half, you know? And I mean, that was a legendary performance by Juzang. I don't think they can do it again, but it's going to take a lot more than that in order to beat this Gonzaga team. I don't think anybody can beat Gonzaga, to be honest with you. I think Gonzaga should still be six-point favorites if they play Baylor in this next game. I think they should be nine-point favorites if they play Houston in this next game. Not that I want to go that much ahead, but I really think this is a historically great Gonzaga team. It's, you know, it's kind of like I said before that USC game. And actually, yeah, we didn't podcast about it, but I tweeted out, I think, during that Creighton game. I said, Gonzaga's played one game all season long that has finished within single digits. They played one game against BYU that ended at 10 points and they were losing by 10 at halftime. They outscored them by 20 plus points in the second half. Um, Gonzaga against West Virginia's size. That was my main reason for taking USC. I kind of knew it was a horrible bet before I even took it. I just thought it was worth a chance. I don't know. Well, honestly, I hate myself for taking it. But anyway, this Gonzaga team is special. I mean, this reminds me of that Villanova team that just ran through everybody. I don't think anybody's touching Gonzaga. I mean, Drew Timmy made Evan Mobley, who's projected to be a top five pick, look like a high school. He scored at will. And yeah. – He's only a sophomore, by the way. I mean, that doesn't really mean much in college basketball because you can leave whenever you want. Mm-hmm. But – and I don't think that affected Evan Mobley's draft stock at all. But, like, he got whatever he wanted to against the Mobley uh, – against Evan Mobley and the rest of USC. He scored – he was in double-digit points in a blink of an eye. I mean, a blink of an eye. I think the first defensive possession for the game for Gonzaga, he stole the ball. Mm-hmm. from USC's point guard and just dunked it on the other end and the announcement the announcer was for the game that was uh USC's point guard who couldn't dribble past Drew Timmy like yeah it's gonna be a long night I mean it's they're so good dude they're just they're really really good they're, you you gotta keep you gotta keep Suggs out of the paint if you're UCLA mm-hmm I think it, they got to keep Cody Riley out of foul trouble too. He had some foul issues. I believe he even fouled out against yeah, Michigan. And they're, they're back up. He may be bigger than Cody Riley, and that dude is not that good. Drew Timmy will score at will. So, I mean, Cody Riley's got to stay in this game. If you have to give up a couple easy two points to Timmy without fouling in the first couple minutes of the game, it's not worth Cody Riley picking up a foul within the first couple minutes because – if he's got to sit down, I think Gonzaga – I mean, they're going to go on runs without him or with or without him, but without him, Drew Timmy's going to score at will. Yeah, and, you know, if let's kind of give each team here in, bo- in both games a key to winning the game. We'll stick with this one since we're already on it. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, Cody Riley's got to stay out of foul trouble. Honestly, the only way that Gonzaga loses this game is – Johnny Juzang's going to have to play the game of his life. I mean, we all thought he played the game of his life last game. Uh, this is going to have to be the game of Johnny Juzang's life. By the way, we got bases loaded two outs. Riley just got hit by a pitch. But, um, yeah, we need Johnny Juzang needs to play, like, one of the most legendary games in the history of March Madness in order for this for UCLA to win this game. What do you, who, what do you think? 
I, I mean, I don't disagree. I think Hawkes is mm-hmm. a is a big key player. Um, I don't know how tall he is. I feel like he he I mean, he's tall. He doesn't look like a giant. He plays really good post defense. Just plays really good defense in general. I mean, listen, we 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 know by now what UCLA is going to try and do. They're going to walk the ball up the court. They're going to run their half court offense. They got to try and limit turnovers because as soon as Gonzaga gets in transition, they're going to score every single time. Every single time they're going to score. Yep. I mean, they're going to have to shoot. They're going to have to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to have to make a lot of threes. They're going to have to limit their turnovers. Um, I I don't see them having much of a chance, but I didn't have them making it this far either. Yeah, no, I I'm. I'm in agreement with you on that one, Ben. I really didn't see this see this one coming either. Um, the flip side of things for Baylor and Houston, in order for Baylor, for Houston to pull this upset, not only do they have to play good defense, but we already know he's going to do that. I think the key to this game is we just need Giroux to dominate. We need him to import to um, kind of enforce his will on the offensive and defensive end of the court. I mean, if Giroux shows up and plays the way that he can, Houston's going to be in this game until the final wire. You know what I mean? I feel like he's their like edgy player who kind of gives them. You know what I mean? Like that, that mental advantage that they need in this game. And I mean, obviously he's their best scorer and he's their best player. If he comes out here and balls out in this game, I really think Houston could pull this upset. Houston's got to limit their turnovers. Uh, Baylor loves to get out and run Houston while they can run and they are a pretty athletic team. They don't do it necessarily that often. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they like to slow things down. So I would imagine they're going to try and do that to Baylor um, because teams like Baylor and Gonzaga, if you play into their style, like you have no chance of beating them. They're just better than you. It, it's that simple. Um, I think, I think Houston is going to be a little bit more focused on the defensive end. Um, I, I think they're going to have to hit more threes than Baylor. Now, I think people might hear that and be like, "Well, that's obvious because that could equal more points." But Baylor hasn't been shooting that well from three. So if Houston can hit their threes that day. Yeah, they have a great chance to win. It's that simple. I mean, keep Baylor off the three-point line, trade threes for twos, because both of these teams are, are going to play great defense. Both of these teams can cause a lot of turnovers. Baylor could just force so many turnovers on people. I think if Houston can hit uh, more threes than Baylor, I think if they keep their turnovers down, I think they have a great chance to win this game. Yeah, hey, I agree with you on all that, Ben. It's going to be fun to watch. Um I can't honestly. I can't wait for Saturday, man. I mean, it's. I've been waiting for it all week long. All week long with these March Madness games, I kind of hated the schedule of how these games are in the middle of the week. I feel like it. Uh, these games are coming on so late. Like I found myself fighting to stay awake, and I'm usually a guy who stays up pretty late. I don't know why, but I was getting tired early from those games. But anyway, Ben, anything? Any final words before we get up out of here? Uh, we got the Masters coming up as well. That's another sport that's coming up. Yeah, Masters um, and golf is coming up in April. Yeah, not gonna lie, I'm not a much of a golf guy, but I'm not. Uh, we might have some listeners that are that are Masters fans and golf fans. I'm not a huge golf guy, but you know the Masters, it's it's a tradition like any other, as the commercials always say, right? Yep. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, you definitely, yeah, definitely got to say something about that. We'll try to throw a little something, something in there for y'all when it comes time for the Masters. But once again, as always, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we hope to talk to all y'all again soon.